Welcome to the Natural Academy podcast. My name is Andrew. Dr. Mercer will not be joining me today, but she'll be back soon, don't worry. And today we're going to be talking about the most villainized healer, which is, in my opinion, sunlight. With the exception of some specialized bacteria deep in the ocean, every living being on our planet is dependent on sunlight to survive. Whether you're a plant that directly captures the sun's energy through photosynthesis, or an animal that eats plants to harness this energy, or an animal that eats other animals, all of the energy in our food chain ultimately comes from sunlight. Up until very recently in our history, humans have basically lived outside, getting far more sun exposure than the average person today. As we've shifted to indoor lifestyles, we're seeing increasing rates of many diseases, including skin cancer, yet the common narrative is that we should be fearful of the sun. Does it really make sense that the source of all life on this planet and the environmental factor that we've evolved with for hundreds of thousands of years is also killing us? Something doesn't add up. So we're going to bust some myths about sunlight today and discuss many of the many overlooked benefits that you can take advantage of to heal yourself and feel your best. Some of the specific topics that we're going to discuss are how lack of sunlight is associated with an increase in mortality, the benefits of sunlight that go far beyond just vitamin D, why sunscreen may actually be doing you more harm than good, can sunglasses make you more prone to burning, and the ancient Egyptian practice to reverse aging. So we got lots of fun stuff to talk about. But first, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, Natural Blocks. Natural Blocks makes professional quality blue blockers that are designed to protect you from the damaging spectrums of light emitted from digital devices and artificial lighting. The lenses are lab tested and verified to block the appropriate quantity and spectrum of light to help you achieve your health goals. So there's two options, daytime energy lenses, which block 88% of digital blue light and are great for screen use to prevent headaches, eye strain, and fatigue. Um, they're great when you're stuck staring at a screen all day, essentially. And nighttime sleep glasses, which block 100% of blue light and some green, actually, to help maximize your melatonin release and give you the deepest sleep possible. So we have a testimonial from Sandra, and she said, My daughter is complaining of headaches, which she's never had before. A friend mentioned blue blocking glasses to me, so we tried to pair off Amazon, and they didn't do much for her headaches. Another friend told me about natural blocks, and I'm so glad I made the investment. Stella's headaches are gone. I'll be getting another pair for my son. So this is a really common thing we hear actually, especially with the daytime screen glasses, is people who get headaches from being on screens too long. Um, you don't always put two and two together, but blue light is a big trigger of um, cognitive stress. So blocking that out effectively can be very impactful for people. And unfortunately, most of the cheap pairs, especially the stuff you buy on Amazon, doesn't actually block a significant portion of blue light. So it's not really gonna have any impact on you. So you're better off spending the money on a proper pair. And you can go to naturalblocks.com, use code NATUROFAM, that's N-A-T-U-R-O-F-A-M, at checkout for 10% off of your entire order. And we have a current promotion that is buy one pair and get a second pair 30% off. It's pretty sweet, so take advantage of that while it's still on. All right, so as I mentioned, sunlight is, is central to all biology on Earth. It's extremely important. Um, as I said, the food chain Basically, all the food chain is derived from sunlight. So whether you're a plant who's using photosynthesis to harness that energy directly, or uh, you're an herbivore eating that plant, or a carnivore eating that animal that ate that plant, all of that energy ultimately comes from the sun. Um, even something as simple as fire. If you think about it, a plant, a tree, has to photosynthesize and capture that sun's energy. And then through combustion, um, we're releasing that, that stored infrared energy that comes from the sun. So, so much of the energetics of planet are revolving around the sun so it's extremely important and humans have lived 
I mean, the, the current estimates are 200, 300,000 years, um, like as Homo sapiens, but obviously um, our predecessors were around for much longer than that. All of life has been around for way longer of that, and all of it revolves around the sun. So, um, you know, no life could exist without it. So it's kind of odd to me that there's um, so much fear around the sun, yet it's such a crucial part of our biology. So something doesn't really add up. Uh, there may be some middle ground, which we'll talk about today, but um, again, if we've lived a primarily outdoor lifestyle, um, you know, basically from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, especially with, with um, modern day evolutionary theories saying that humans came from equatorial Africa, which has extremely strong sunlight, it doesn't really make sense that we wouldn't be adapted to, to handle that as a stressor, right? So let's get into some of the benefits. Um, so one of the things I mentioned in the intro is that uh, lack of sunlight is associated with um, an increased all-cause mortality. So that is an increase in death from all causes, basically. And there's a lot of research starting to show this now where they're epidemiological studies. So basically what they do is they track people over time and they say, okay, who got the most sun exposure, who got the least, who got a moderate amount and everything in between and just track their outcomes to see you know, what happened to these people. And the people who got the most sunshine lived the longest. People who got the least amount of sunshine had an increased risk of all-cause mortality, so death from any cause. And in that lowest group, there's one, I believe it was a Swedish study that showed that the group that had the least amount of sun exposure had the same risk as basically people who smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. So in other words, if you just sit inside all day, don't get any sun exposure, you might as well be smoking a pack of cigarettes, according to this research. So um, there's a lot more of that research coming out now, and I think people are starting to change their views about how beneficial the sun might be, but that alone is a very impactful um, you know, area of research. And a lot of the benefits, people think of vitamin D. They're very uh, hyper-focused on vitamin D, which is awesome. Vitamin D is great. Um, it has a lot of beneficial roles in our biology, but there's so many other things that I would argue are far more important than vitamin D. So for example, um, sunlight actually directly charges our body. So we can absorb the sun's energy to some degree, obviously not as much as plants. Maybe some people can. I'm, I'm not... Uh, you know, I'm still not too sure about how the breathinarians do it, but apparently there are people who don't need to eat and they can harness energy directly from their environment. So all humans can do this to some capacity, and we know of, of multiple mechanisms actually. So one of the more recent ones is easy water. So this is also known as the fourth phase of water. So we were taught in school that there were three phases of water, solid, liquid, and gas, but there's actually a fourth phase in between solid and liquid. That's more like a gel state or plasma state. And most of the water in our body actually is um, in this state, and same within plants and a lot of um, in a lot of biology, really. And the unique thing about this type of water is that when it's exposed to certain frequencies of light, so in particular the infrared light, um, there is a charge separation that occurs. So all of the positively charged um, molecules get separated, and close to uh, any protein in the body, there's this layer of negative charge. So when you have a positive and a negative charge, that creates a battery, which gives you potential energy. So if you think about it, humans, 99% of the molecules in our body are water, um, and we're basically always being exposed to some form of infrared light. So we're constantly able to produce this easy water, which allows us to produce more energy. So the whole ATP thing as being the only source of energy in the body is um, that's kind of outdated and there's a lot of other theories as to how we're producing energy and I think this is probably going to turn out to be one of the most significant um, mechanisms but basically we're able to just harness uh, sunlight to create energy directly through that single mechanism. There's also um, our mitochondria so we have different proteins in our mitochondria 
that are able to absorb red and infrared light, which has been shown to increase ATP production directly. So this is totally independent of what you're eating. Melanin is another source. So that's the pigment in our skin. It can absorb all different types of um, electromagnetism and convert that into free electrons. So, I mean, alone, that's three mechanisms. There's probably way more, but there's, there's so many examples of, um, we call them chromophores, which are basically parts of our body that can absorb light and have some sort of biological function. So we're intric intricately related to the sun. And when we separate ourselves from that, we start to see health issues because we're missing out on all of these benefits. Um, another massive, massive benefit of sunlight is the circadian rhythm piece. So your circadian rhythm is your 24-hour sleep-wake cycle. A lot of people focus on the sleep portion, which is obviously very important, but we're also talking about the wake portion. So that's everything. Everything that you do when you're asleep or awake is related to your circadian rhythm. So from the moment you get up, um, you know your, your muscle function, your blood pressure, circulatory system, your digestive system, all of those daytime activities, to the moment you go to bed and you do the your detox and repair and recovery at night, all of that is controlled by your circadian rhythm. So I think of the, um, you know, the central clock in your brain. Um, yeah, I won't get too deep into like the specific mechanisms, but basically I think of it as being your um, conductor. So your circadian rhythm, think of a conductor of your orchestra. So your orchestra is all the instruments, all your cells, all your organs. And if you don't have something controlling that, it's chaos, right? Imagine just a bunch of instruments playing at different times. Um, it's going to sound terrible, but if you have that conductor to tell people, you know, what to play and when, then it's, you have this beautiful symphony and that's how the body works too. But the conductor needs to have the proper signals. So maybe, you know, they need to have their, their sheet music in front of them to know exactly how to direct, you know, your cells. So light is the most important factor, the most important signal. I would say there's kind of three main ones. So, uh, light for sure. Timing of food is really big as well and movement or exercise. There's some other ones as well, but. Um, those are probably the three easiest ones to modify. Temperature is also in there, but light for sure, most important. And um, we didn't used to have to think, think about this because when it was light, you would wake up naturally with the sunrise. And then when it got dark, you'd go to bed. But now with artificial lights and indoor living, things have kind of gone out of whack. So, um, but light throughout the day is constantly giving your body signals, telling it what time of day it is and what function it should be performing. So if you're exposed to light in the middle of the night, it's totally going to mess up your circadian rhythm and how your body's... Um, functioning because it doesn't have the proper signals. Okay, so that's another one. Uh, neurotransmitters, hormones, so things like your cortisol and melatonin, those are intricately related with your circadian rhythm. So when you when you see blue light in the morning from the sunrise, that actually gives you a spike in cortisol, which is really important for um, your daytime function. When the sun goes down, it gets dark, then you have an increase in your melatonin, which gives you all the regenerative uh, effects of sleep. Your serotonin, dopamine, um, vitamin D acts a little bit more like a hormone. It's not so much a vitamin. Uh, that's, those are just some examples of all the hormones that are related to sun exposure. Um, in particular, UVA light um, synthesizes a lot of these um, neurotransmitters. Okay. And lastly, beside all the mechanisms, so you, like you can geek out on all the science of all this stuff, but if you just think of it from a logical perspective um, and just go off like more intuitively how you feel, everyone likes the feeling of sun. Obviously, there's a point when you're burning that you know, isn't so pleasant, but generally sun feels good. It's this nice, warm, lovely feeling and your body going back to a mechanism, your body actually produces, um, a molecule called POMC, which is basically like, um, an endorphin. So we're kind of designed to be addicted to sunlight to some degree, um, probably because it's good for us. So just the way you feel, but also the way you look like, I know personally, when I have a bit of a tan, I feel like I, I look much healthier and other people as well. It's not like I never see someone who's like, you know, pale as a ghost and say, wow, you look really healthy. You look great. 
right? Usually when someone has a bit of a tan, they just look better, they look healthier. Um, and there's probably something to be said about the way you feel and the way you look um, related to sun exposure. Okay, and um, maybe I should have done this previously, but just for like a quick primer on the different spectrums of light. So uh, related to uh, sunlight. So the sunlight emits the entire electromagnetic spectrum. So all the way from, you know, X-rays, gamma rays, UV, infrared, um, like the basic color spectrum. But there's a few that are, are very important in our biology. So two of those are red and infrared. So that's the majority of the spectrum of sunlight. It's actually red, infrared. Doesn't matter the time of day, whether it's morning, midday, night. Um, that is a very constant portion, and that's what gives it that obvious color and, and the feeling of warmth. Blue is also important. So blue light, uh, there is a spike at the beginning of the day, and that helps set your circadian rhythm. So like I was saying, that helps to boost your cortisol and tell your body, okay, it's daytime. I need to start doing all my daytime functions. So that's really important. Um, but at nighttime, it's the opposite. So you actually don't want any blue because that, that's going to tell your body it's still daytime, and then it can't go into that sleep mode. Okay, so it's really important to get blue during the day and avoid it at night. That's why I'm such a big fan of blue blockers because at nighttime, it's really difficult in today's world to be avoiding all that blue with, with all the screens. So all you have to do is throw on some blue blockers. It makes your life way easier. Also have different forms of UV light. So mainly UVA and UVB from sunlight. And UVA is present. So, so beginning of the day, you're going to have red and infrared, mostly some blue light. And then as the day goes on, you're going to get some UVA light and then midday UVB. This depends on your latitude and where you're located. So in northern climates, you don't really get UVB midday. Um, but UVB is kind of like the peak. So when the sun's at a high enough angle, it's going to emit UVB rays, which are responsible for vitamin D production, but they can also burn you too. So it's really important to know, you know when UVB is out for also health purposes, but also the potential harms, which we will get into now. Um, so burning is, is never good. So you never want to get burnt. Basically no benefit to that. Now, I don't think we, like we often blame the sun for getting burned, but I think we should be blaming our relationship with the sun because realistically, if you get more sun exposure, you're going to get burned less. Okay, so it sounds kind of counterintuitive. But if you think about people who live near the equator, who get plenty of sunlight or people who just live an outdoor lifestyle, they don't burn very often because they're always getting sun exposure. So they're always uh, adapting to sun, which is what our, our bodies do. So when you get uh, plenty of sun exposure, especially the UVB, um, your body is going to upregulate its melanin production, which gives you that protective um, protective barrier and gives you a tan. Okay, but if you're a weekend warrior and you're inside, you know, 90% of your life, and then you just go outside on weekends to the beach and get fried. Um, yeah, I mean, the sun burned you, but it was because you're not getting enough sun exposure. That's the reason you got burned in the first place. Okay, so um, there's a lot of individual variation for this. So obviously, if you have a darker skin color, um, you're going to be able to um, last longer in the sun. And you, you physically need more sun for um, like general health, whereas someone who's very fair skinned, they're not going to need as much for optimal health. And they need to be more careful about burning. So always keep that in mind. You, you don't want to, there's no like blanket recommendation that everyone should get 30 minutes of sunlight. Darker the skin you have, the more sun you need. Um, and you're probably going to be better adapted to a climate that's closer to the equator, if that's where your genetics are from, and vice versa. Um, and some of the other factors that go into burning. So one thing that really helps is getting morning sun exposure. So when, you're, when your eyes and skin are exposed to um, 
the morning rays, it tells your body to start preparing for upcoming UV, okay? So again, part of this whole circadian rhythm thing is telling your body, okay, it's daytime, I need to start doing daytime things such as preparing my skin for upcoming sun exposure, right? So it's not good to just like go to the beach at midday when the sun is highest without being outside earlier in the morning because your body is not prepared for that whatsoever. Uh, polyunsaturated fats seem to have an impact on how easily you burn. So I think this is more the processed stuff. So like uh, vegetable oils, for example, canola, all that sort of stuff is very prone to oxidation. So you don't want that getting incorporated into your cell membra membranes and the more easily they oxidize, the more easily you're gonna burn. So it's important to have some healthy saturated fats in the diet. I don't think things like seafood or um, like plant-based omega-3s are gonna have a huge impact on this. So it's more so like the processed seed oils that I would stay away from. Um, astaxanthin is actually um, a pigment found in certain seafood so it's what gives um, like salmon that orange red pink color and that's a really potent antioxidant which has been shown to decrease some of the damage from sunburn so um, that's a supplemental option that you could consider if if you're very prone to burning um, but ultimately you want to try to build up your solar callus naturally and um, appropriate use of sunscreen will also be helpful which we'll talk about in a bit so it's okay to use sunscreen to prevent burning, but otherwise you probably want to limit your, your use of sunscreen. Okay, so another potential harm is skin cancer. So this one's very controversial um, because skin cancer has, has increased over the past few decades, especially melanomas, yet sun exposure has rapidly decreased. So the average person spends about 90% of their life indoors, um, whereas contrast that to like 100 years ago and much longer than that, um, people were, lived a much more outdoor lifestyle, so they're getting way more sun exposure, um, but they have lower rates of skin cancer too. So um, there's also studies showing that outdoor workers have lower rates of skin cancer. So I really don't think it's a matter of uh, like how much sun you're getting. Like again, I don't think we should blame the sun. Yeah, it might be the case that it is the sun causing it, but it's because we're living you know, such an indoor lifestyle, then you go out, get burned, and then you have issues. So that's why it's important not to get burned. But otherwise, I don't think we should be blaming the sun on our skin cancer issues. So um, now sunscreen, does it actually help? There's actually some studies showing that it doesn't decrease your risk of skin cancer. It will reduce burning, obviously, but it's also gonna decrease your vitamin D synthesis. And one of the important things about vitamin D is it has many anti-cancer effects and it's a very potent immunomodulator. So you can look at all the studies on all the benefits of vitamin D for you know, X, Y, and Z. There's so many you know, health outcomes linked to a good vitamin D status. So even if, if the sun did cause cancers, you know, say it was like 100%, this causes uh, you know, melanoma, basal cell, and squamous cell carcinoma, those are like the three kind of main types of skin cancer, it's still, I would say it's still worth it to get sun exposure because you know, the increased vitamin D and all the other benefits are gonna protect you from so many other diseases, right? And I don't even think it's as simple as the, skin, the sun causing skin cancer in the first place. And um, basal and squamous cell carcinoma are not very lethal compared to a lot of other skin cancers. Melanoma is not great, but um, if I had to choose any type of cancer to have, it'd probably be one of the more benign skin cancers, right? They're not, I'm not saying they're good, but they're not, you know, as lethal compared to a lot of the other types of cancer. Um, and also sunscreen has a lot of chemicals in it. So there's various types, but most commercial sunscreens um, are very toxic. So I wouldn't be putting that on my skin in the first place. Again, if, if you have to like trade off between, you know, burning the crap out of yourself and putting some chemicals on your skin. Okay, yeah, like putting some chemicals every once in a while, not gonna be a bad idea, but you shouldn't be lathering yourself in um, sunscreen every day. And if you are gonna do that, then you should be looking for some natural options. So zinc oxide is a good kind of like protective barrier from the skin. 
Um, there's other ones like wheat germ oil, carrot seed oil, um, coconut oil. They're not going to have as high of a SPF, but they can still be helpful. So I would lean towards those ones instead of the synthetics. Um, and interestingly, uh, a lot of people ask me why I don't wear sunglasses. So, you know, I, you rarely see me wearing sunglasses unless I'm like golfing or something. But it's because sunglasses actually increase your skin, your, your chance of burning your skin and potentially skin cancer too. Because what happens is you're blocking the signal of light to your eyes that tells your body it needs to upregulate melanin to protect yourself from the sun. Okay, so the most important photoreceptors in the body are your eyes. You also have them in the skin, but your eyes need to have that signal um, to know, okay, like what's going on in my environment? Is there a lot of sun? Okay, well, I better have some protection up for that. So I would advise against wearing sunglasses, unless obviously like, you know, for safety when you're driving or something like that, definitely important. Um, maybe when you're like, if you're like boating on the water, it can get pretty bright, but generally you shouldn't be throwing on your sunglasses every time you go outside. And I know a lot of people say, well, my eyes can't handle it. I have to squint. Um, you get used to it. Okay. It's, it's because you're not adapted. You, you haven't been developing a good relationship with the sun. Same thing if you're getting burned all the time, you're just not getting enough sun exposure. So, um, we'll talk about some practicals now, but the most important thing is gradual increase. So don't be that weekend warrior when you just go out and like blast yourself with this high UV light, um, once a week, that's not going to end well. Okay. So you need to get into the regular habit of getting sun exposure and start small and pay attention to your, um, individuality if you have darker skin or lighter skin and all that sort of stuff. Okay. So my, uh, like overall takeaway would be get as much sun exposure as possible without burning. Um, and I know that might be controversial for some people, but there is no evidence that getting sun is bad for you unless you're burning. Okay. So your goal should be getting all these benefits that I mentioned, but without burning yourself. So minimizing the, the harm and for everyone that's going to be different. So, um, you need to pay attention to, you know, where you live and skin color and all that sort of stuff. But that's the most important thing. So maximize your sun exposure without burning. If there's only one time of the day you can get outside, morning is going to be best because of the circadian rhythm benefits. Um, and you're not going to burn. So that's another thing. If you are very prone to burning, just stick to initially, um, like first sunrise and sunset, there's very little UV and you're not going to get burned. Um, but morning sun, when you get that signal on your eyes and skin, it tells your body it's daytime. Um, and like I said, you're just going to ramp up all of these, uh, you know, hormone and neurotransmitters to get produced. It gives you like a, quite a profound boost in energy if you're outside during that time. Um, and if you can combine that with movement, so like going for a morning walk, getting that natural sun exposure, you already have two of those, um, really important factors to stimulate your circadian rhythm for the day. Okay. Um, so another thing after you get your morning sun exposure, it's good to get outside midday as well, because that's when you're going to get some UV. So if you're only outside at the beginning of the day, you're going to miss out on a lot of the benefits of UV exposure. So for example, the vitamin D, a lot of the neurotransmitters and hormones that are produced with UVA, um, also decreases blood pressure. So there's plenty of things. So it would be good to get outside in the morning, but also for a midday period. I mean, ideally, if you think about it, like people always say, okay, how much, what's the ideal time to spend outside? Um, like I said, it should be basically like always, you should humans are designed to live outside. So, um, yeah, when it's like really hot midday, you're going to seek shade naturally, listen to your body, but you're still actually getting some light exposure, even though it may not be direct, but that's how we're designed. We're designed to be constantly, you know, interacting with our environment in this way. So ideal is live outside, but most people aren't going to do that. So I'm trying to give you more practical steps, but morning, midday. Um, and then if you can do sunset as well, that, that'd be very helpful. 
But probably the best way to approach this is think of um, taking sun breaks. So kind of like smoke breaks, how people are going outside every hour or whatever to, for a smoke. Just do that with your sun. It doesn't have to be very long. It could even just be like, um, you know, five minutes or less than that, two or three minutes. But you're constantly going to be sending signals to your body about what time of day it is and what function it should be performing based on your circadian rhythm. Um, yeah, and just listen to your body. If you feel like you're starting to burn, then you know, put on some clothes or seek shade or sunscreen if you want to, but you're probably better off just like wearing long sleeves and putting a hat on. Like I would do that over sunscreen, um, unless you got a really good natural option. Um, okay. Another practical thing that I often recommend to patients is if you have, especially if you have a darker skin tone and you live in Canada, there, there is a bit of a mismatch because your genes are adapted to much more sunlight. And unless you're like really spending a lot of time outside in the summer when it's warmer, you're probably going to be deficient in like sunlight in general, not just vitamin D, but you're going to have a sun deficiency. So, or if you're just someone, even if you don't have those genetics, but you just generally like feel like crap in the winter, you don't like the cold, um, you'd rather be somewhere warm. You should really prioritize that. I know it's not feasible for everyone, but um, you know, save up some money, plan it out that you're going to go somewhere warm for as long as you can. But that is like such a good health investment to be getting that sun, especially in climates when, when we don't have very strong sun in the winter. Um, yeah, like humans are very adaptable and we've adapted to live everywhere, but I still personally, I don't think it's optimal to live very close to the poles because of that factor. There's other things, you know, other benefits, but, um, I think the sun is like such a major benefit that, um, it outweighs the it's just better in general to, uh, to be, to be in a sunny environment. So, uh, yeah, last thing. So I did promise the, uh, ancient practice to reverse aging, ancient Egyptian practice. I think it's Egyptian. I'm not actually sure, but, um, uh, I know in India, at least it is, has been very common for thousands of years, but this is sun gazing. So what you do, um, during the sunrise or sunset. So when the sun is first rising, or it's about to set. So within the first 15 degrees, I guess, of it rising, um, which would, well, actually, I don't know about 15 degrees, if that's accurate, but within the first like 15 minutes of it passing the horizon, you can stare directly at the sun and you're not going to damage your eyes because there isn't enough UV. So it's mostly UV that's causing that damage. Now I wouldn't start with 15 minutes, but you start with a very small amount, say it's 10 seconds, or, uh, you might even look like just to the side of it. So you're not getting that direct exposure, but, um, you can, you're like directly absorbing all of those benefits, all the red, infrared, the blue light, um, directly into your eyes. And there's, there's plenty of uh, benefits of doing that. It kind of like supercharges just being outside at that time. And there's a guy in India called, I believe his name is, uh, Hira Ratan Manek, something like that, HRM are his initials. And he's kind of popularized sun gazing and they've done some studies on him and he barely eats. Like he'll just drink like a small amount of, you know, buttermilk. In, in a day, but he's so diligent with his sun gazing practice. He'll do like an hour in the morning, hour at night, and you're basically just absorbing the sun's energy. So you have a decreased reliance on food. And, um, like in Egyptian myth mythology, they've, um, uh, worshiped Ra, the, the God of the sun. Like there's a lot of cultures who like really prized the sun, like for its health benefits. So that's a practice you can start to implement. Be careful, start low, like I said, low and slow. So do like 10 seconds first day, and then you can double that and slowly increase the amount of time. But I know personally when I do that and I'm on like a good regimen, even if it's cloudy, you can still get a lot of the benefits. It's obviously better if you're getting, if you can actually see it. Um, and it's like visually pleasing as well. But when I'm doing that regularly, I have like such a, my whole day is better, but such a big boost in energy right away. It's basically like a natural cup of caffeine. So um, yeah, you can try that out, but I guarantee that will make you feel 
healthier and it may even reverse your aging. So um, yeah, so thanks for listening. If you guys have any questions about what I talked about today, you can always send us an email um, or just comment and any other feature topics. We're always open to discussing different topics. So let us know what you'd like to hear about. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.